1: Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbon. Tony, scientists say a massive asteroid is heading toward Earth at more than 50,000 miles per hour.
2: I'm Tony Kornheiser. Do you think you can get here before we have to do the Sports Center segment? No, that would no. be welcome relief. That's pretty quick.
1: Me. I mean, you like, know, I
2: didn't easy. do the show yesterday, and I didn't do the Sports Center segment. That was the great gift—not doing the Sports Center. Segment. No. Uh,
1: welcome to, to PTI, this, boys there was and girls. No Sports Center yesterday.
2: Really? Well, there's one today. In today's episode, the Bucks fire Mike Budenholzer. The Leafs look again, lose again. And Theo Epstein joins us for five good minutes. But we begin today with the Warriors pounding the Lakers last night, 127-100, to even that series at 1-1. Anthony Davis, who dominated Game One with 30 and 23, had 11 and 7 last night. Wilbon, how does this result affect the way you look at this series?
1: Tony, it makes me believe, and and maybe, you know, I shouldn't let one game very early in the series have such an effect on my view of it. But it makes me think that Golden State is the better team and they're going to win this series, whether it could still be a long series, six or seven games. And I, I just think that the firepower, the Lakers defense is really good, but the Laker offense is not good enough to sort of withstand the sort of back and forth you have to have once there are adjustments, and Steve Kerr knows how to make them like he did last night with the lineup, that the the Laker offense can't counter. You know, so maybe they'll be able to suppress Golden State with that really good defense for a couple of games, but I don't see it happening four times. Uh, You know, Klay Thompson can be the second best player on his team, and it's just fine. He doesn't need to sort of dominate the play the way the Lakers appear to need Anthony Davis to do it, and it seems too much to expect for him to do it three or four times in a series, a couple of times maybe. So I just think there's some personnel advantages that Golden State has, and Steph Curry, you know, is wondrous. And even on a night where they just blitz him defensively, he can come up with a dozen assists or more. I I just think Golden State figured out a lot of stuff last night.
2: It's so interesting for me to hear you say that now you give Golden State the advantage because you sat here a couple of days ago on this show and you said big ball beats small ball all the time. I I believe that. I still believe that. But you're wrong. Okay, but you're wrong. Because it didn't happen last night. Not only were the Warriors small, as they always are, they were smaller last night. Smaller. Because they, they took Mooney out, basically. And they yep. went out, and for the second game in a row, I believe they hit 21 threes, which is 63 points. And the Lakers hit 10 threes, which means Golden State is plus 33 at that point. And that, I sat here and said to you, Golden State has to think, This was a fluke the first game because the script Golden State writes to win is make a lot of threes and win that way. There was no foul line disparity in game two like there was in game one. And Anthony Davis had no game. He had no game whatsoever. He was minus 19 from his scoring, and he was minus 16 from his rebounding. And like you, I look at this game, and I think Golden State is the better team.
1: Yeah. So I think it was a
2: fluke the first game.
1: I do, Tony, and listen, I'm not backing off my great big players. I'm taking them. But as you know, Anthony Davis, and I, 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 he's a talented guy. I don't want to climb on this bandwagon that's just rolling over Anthony Davis. I don't want to be on that. But he, he, he doesn't do it every single night. And you know what? Most people don't do anything every night or every day. And so Anthony Davis doesn't seem to be able to do it. Now, I expect him to have a, a great game three back here in Los Angeles, across the street from where I'm sitting tomorrow. But it, 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 if you can't summon that all the time, Golden State's going to be better. But I, I'm still – give me some – I'm sorry. You going against Wilt? You going against Kareem? You going against Russell and Elijah Juan and Shaq? Are you doing that? No, you're not doing that. Willis Reed, the captain? Are you Reed, going against captain? Jordan? No. Are you going against Jordan? Never. All right. I got a counter-argument. All <laughs> right. So let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> The Bucks are out of the playoffs, and now Mike Budenholzer is out of a gig. The Bucks fired their head coach despite his team finishing with the best regular season record in the league. And despite Giannis having been injured in that first-round series loss to the Heat. Coach Bud was at the helm when the team won the title two years ago, beat Phoenix, Tony. Does this decision make sense to you, and where do you think the Bucs should go from here? I'm stunned by it.
2: I'm absolutely stunned by it. I have since read stories uh, that there was, I guess, backroom discontentment with Budenholzer, uh, and maybe Giannis didn't like the way he applied himself defensively in terms of strategies. I look at the guy's record, Mike. He goes to the Atlanta Hawks. He wins 38 games the first year. He wins 60 the second year. He goes to the Bucs. He wins 60 games the first year. This is his career record in five seasons with the Bucs. 271 and 120. That's a 69.3 percentage. You know who's got a better percentage than that? Nobody is the correct answer because he's got the best percentage. And he won a title. And now he's canned when his best player missed two and a half games in a playoff series. It just leads me to believe, well, you know, whose ring do you have to kiss to get that job?
1: Well, if he had another one, they could kiss that one and he'd still be employed. When I was a young pup of a sports writer, the, one of the things I learned from Anthony Kornheiser was pro sports are about the playoffs. And while coach Bud is a builder and the record that you cited suggests that he knows how to build a program, but Tony, he doesn't cash it in because he couldn't do it in Atlanta and in Milwaukee. All right. Where he lost to Toronto after being up two nothing in the conference finals. He was down two nothing to Phoenix. Probably should have lost that one. Tony, There are still in the playoffs. Too many timeouts he doesn't call. Too many defensive strategies that aren't employed. He loses to Jimmy Butler with no time left. Falling down, catching a pass. Throwing it in the basket. and Giannis is not there covering him. And and, and Brooke Lopez, the best defensive player, probably one of the two best, isn't on the floor. He fails in those big moments. Fails sometimes spectacularly. So, no, Tony, it's not a surprise that he's out of a gig. And if you want to build a program, go get Coach Bud right now. If you want to finish it off, he may not be your guy. Washington, have you built anything there lately? No. Anything with the Wizards? Bring him in. No.
2: They you know, stink. maybe he wants to build something. Stop it. Three of the huh? last four coaches to win the NBA title have been fired. Vogel yeah. was fired. Nurse Playoffs, was fired. Yeah. Budenholzer yeah. was fired.
1: I want Amazing. to, hire nurse. Turn to I'll take Nurse right now. The
2: Florida Panthers totally on fire, three in a row over the Bruins. Then that series, now two in a row on the road against Toronto. After winning last night three to two, Florida finished eighth in the Eastern Conference. Now they've beaten the best team in the league, and they're up two on the fourth best team in the league. Well, how much trouble are you Leafs in?
1: They're in a lot of trouble, Tony. Although I know they lost Game One against Tampa, they came back. And they won, you know, game two, and they won three on the road, you know. I mean, I, I I get it, and they seem to be able to rally themselves now. But we are only in the second round, and I, I don't know. Just I don't know that you can do that against a Panther team that eliminated the Bruins. I mean, they feel good about themselves as well. I'm rooting for Toronto up two nothing last night. I felt pretty safe. How stupid a feeling was that?
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know how you judge. Toronto, they're 1-4 and at home in the playoffs and 3-0 and on the road. I don't know what you make of that. Both of us thought Tampa Bay had a good chance against them, but they came back and they beat Tampa Bay. So I don't, I don't know how much trouble they're in because if that, they're that good on the road, now they go to Florida, you know, maybe they yeah. win two games there. What I'm certain of is this. I'm certain they are killing the original six, right? Toronto's the last original six team left after they knocked out Boston and they got them 2-0 at the moment. Um, you say this all the time. You sit on that chair and you say, hockey is the hardest one to win. Eight-speed ones all the time. Fluke goals change series all the time. Goalies get hot. You know, so, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. Let's take a break. Coming up, we will ask Theo Epstein which of baseball's changes he's proudest of and which haven't been working the way he envisioned.
1: We're also going to ask him whether baseball will enact anything, anything to bring back starting pitching and, dare I say complete games very hard on Budenholzer
2: you are you're hard Mm on him he wanted Let's dig into the changes that baseball has made this season with baseball's special consultant for on field matters, Mr. Theo Epstein. Let's start with this, Theo. We have seen so much praise for the changes. What particular piece are you most proud of?
3: Uh yeah, I think as an industry, I think we're we're all pretty proud of, of the pitch timer because it's really restored the game to the way it was meant to be played. I think baseball was meant to be played in about two and a half hours and Meant to have the ball and play a little bit more, meant to have more action, uh, meant to have the the rhythm and cadence that we see now, beautiful flow to the game. So, you know, it's a it's a testament to the great attitude that uh, the players and the teams and the umpires have all had get, you know, preparing for the pitch timer and they're able to play at a really high level and have the same great game, even more action and get it done in two and a half
1: hours. Theo, it seems like the response nationally has been overwhelmingly positive about that specifically and other changes, but is there anything that hasn't worked so far the way you envisioned? Um,
3: you know, it, it's all kind of worked the way the way we envisioned. I think that's um, a product of testing all the rule changes in the minor leagues over the course of 8,000 minor league games and and, and throwing out. You know, the the things that didn't work, uh, getting feedback from the players and improving the rules, making sure we avoided unintended consequences. And, you know, it's been pretty much according to design. We've had to make adjustments along the way for things we didn't anticipate, you know, little nuances that the players have brought to our attention where we've made some adjustments. But, you know, 28 minutes shorter, I think we were 26 minutes shorter in the minor leagues. Uh, We wanted to see a little bit more run scoring. We're up uh, about a run per game. Um, average, we wanted to, to go up a little bit with the shift restrictions. We're up 13 points on average, and we wanted to boost the running game, and we're up to 1.8 uh, stolen base attempts per game now, which is the highest in more than a decade, 79% success rate. So um, all the all the data is, is telling us that it's going according to plan, but of course, you know, we still are in monitoring mode. We're still listening to the players, still trying to make sure that we get this just right.
1: All right. This is something that drove me crazy yesterday. I have no idea whether there's a, a way to do anything about it. But starting pitching, when 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 I see a pitcher with a no-hitter removed from the game in, like, the seventh inning, I, I, I want to run on the field if I was in attendance and say, stop, stop, no, no relief pitcher can come in to, to, to replace this guy. He's got a no-hitter going. Starting pitching, is it going to be reduced and reduced and reduced to rubble, or is there any – sense that something should be done to reward it and emphasize it once again.
3: Yeah, I, I think I think we agree that there's a compelling fan interest um, and therefore an important interest in, in restoring the prominence of the starting pitcher, because the starting pitcher in a lot of ways is, is the protagonist uh, uh, of the story When we we're going to games as a kid. It was who's pitching today. Oh, great. It's Roger Clemens. I'm going to see Roger Clemens over the course of the next two, two and a half hours see his trajectory, see, see his ups and downs, how he responds to adversity. And, and, and that's, you know, that's uh, an important character in the game. And, and when it's four and two thirds, and then turn the game over to nine relievers, who are all throwing hundred miles an hour. I think something's lost a little bit in that. So I think identifying that as an issue is the easy part. Uh, finding a way to fix it is the hard part. You know, one thing that's really different when we were growing up, there were 10 pitchers on a pitching staff. And so the starting pitcher's job was not just to miss as many bats as he could over the course of five innings and then turn the ball over. It was either hand the ball to the catcher or at least get into the, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth inning. So quantity w- was was important. Volume was important. Um, efficiency was important. That's what, you know, you'd sometimes throw a one one sinker down the middle just to get a ground ball just just to get deep in the game. You don't see that anymore. So you know, I think we did limit the, the size of pitching staffs to 13 you know maybe down the road that's something that you consider you know uh, tweaking even a little bit more We're testing the double hook DH rule in the Atlantic League that rewards teams uh for keeping their starting pitcher in the game longer by virtue of keeping your DH in the game or penalizing teams if they take their starting pitcher out early so there there are ways to get at it but you know fundamentally the way the way teams are constructing, it, Constructing pitching staffs now, and the way modern pitching is max effort, miss as many bats as you can. It's going to take some intervention, I think, in order to restore the prominence of the starting pitcher.
2: That's really interesting. Now, that's, it is. that's
3: really interesting. It
1: is uh, I'LL we'll get
2: you out of here on this, but I'm going to tap into the fact that you know you were GM and you won World Series with the Cubs and with the Red Sox. One of them's over your left shoulder, um, so you know <laughs> what you're doing. Given the fact that there are these new rules and you had a hand in the new rules. If you were a GM today, how would you construct a team to make the most out of the new rules?
3: Well, you know, I think we're seeing that in the game. If you look, if you look at, you know, what, what the Rays are doing, and they certainly do a ton of things well, but, you know, even a team like the Pirates, I think the teams that are younger and have a lot of athletes on the field... Um, and 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 really ha- have a lot of range on defense, and, and go out there and make plays in in, in in the infield defensively, run the bases really aggressively, um, have a lot of team speed to go with that athleticism. Those teams are are surprising and thriving a little bit, and you know I'm not going to say that's that's you know primarily because of the new rules. It, there are a lot of young teams out there that's playing great overall baseball, but maybe the maybe the rules reward athleticism and speed and, and putting the ball in play and, and playing great defense a little bit more than the way the game had been played the last 10 years. You know, there's, there's more ways to score now. It used to be, you know, the game had evolved to a point. You try to draw a couple walks and hit a three run Homer because, you know, the, the ball was never in play. And so teams that, that walked a lot, and hit a lot of home runs thrived. Now you can score with a single stolen base and a single, you know, without the shift anymore. And you're seeing more of that. So The fact that there's a diversity of approach, I think, is good overall. gives more teams a chance to succeed playing the game different ways. Um, So if I were a GM, I would probably, you know, try to trend towards athleticism. I wouldn't make any compromises in defense because the ball is going to be in play a little bit more, especially in the infield. Those with the shift restrictions, infielders are on the spot for do or die plays all the time. And then get a lot of guys who can run because, you know, uh, there's a 79% success rate on stolen bases. Right now, the highest in history, which probably tells us that teams can even push it and run a little bit more. But teams that are running are having a lot of success and and, um, surprising out there. So I think it's good for the game to have a lot of different ways to put teams together.
2: It's really a pleasure to have you. Fascinating. We're learning things. Thank you, Theo. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you,
3: guys. Enjoy it. Take care. Let's
2: take one last break. Still
1: to come, Alabama fires its baseball coach. What should we make of the circumstances? And will the Sixers and Suns win at home tonight? Tony, Fergie Jenkins, my hero, who never seemed to come out of the game ever. There's a bobblehead right. day coming up at Wrigley Field for Ferguson Jenkins. Fer- Death is the
2: only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun.
0: My master asks, what do you seek here?
2: To vanquish our common enemies. Ah! Based on the Global Bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming.
0: Hey! Hey! Oh!
2: The epic saga of war, passion, and power.
0: Let it come.
2: FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Happy time, people. Happy 38th birthday, PJ Tucker. The Sixers forward set an interesting, if dubious, record in Game 1 against Boston the other night. Tucker took no shots from the field or the foul line in the 37 minutes he played. That is the most minutes played in a playoff game without a shot attempt of any kind in the shot clock era. That's since 1955. That's 68 years. Clearly, Tucker is out there for defense. He played 25.6 minutes a game this season, averaging just 3.5 points and 3.9 rebounds. The Sixers actually tampered when they signed Tucker away from Miami for three years and $33 million and lost a draft choice as a result.
1: P.J. Tucker, really smart, interesting, fun guy. Everybody knows he knows more about sneakers than just about anybody in the world because of his sneaker collection. What they don't know, Tony, and you would love this about P.J., is that he's a wine guy. He knows more about wine than just about anybody. I know this from his time in Arizona. That's a diverse collection situation, isn't it? Wine and sneakers? Wine
2: and sneakers, yes. Yeah. Very diverse.
1: Happy anniversary, Calvin
2: Burrell. On this day 16 years ago, Burrell won the Kentucky Derby aboard Street Sense. Burrell moved up from 19th place, which was next to last, to win his first Kentucky Derby. Burrell was nicknamed Bo Rail for his eagerness to take the inside path even when it was risky. Burrell also won the Derby with Mind That Bird and Super Saver, becoming the only jockey ever to win three Derbys in four years. Only Eddie R. Billy Hardtack, and Willie Shoemaker, three of the greatest jockeys of all time, won more derbies than Burrell. And this reminds me that tomorrow is the first Saturday in
1: May Derby Day. Well, man, you like the horse. He's who you got. Tony, you know, I've been to the Kentucky Derby for the week with Andrew Beyer a couple of times, a great turf rider, Andrew Bayer. But two things I've never been to in America, only two left Daytona and the Kentucky Derby, the actual race. Never been. Everything else. Well, Andy has been Beyer. There.
2: Andy Byer likes the Japanese horse Derma Gaki and my friend Eddie likes mage happy trails to Alabama baseball coach Brad Bohannon Bohannon who had coached at Alabama since 2017 had a 166 124 record there fired yesterday amid a widespread investigation into suspicious betting activity on a game between Alabama and LSU last week surveillance video indicated a person who placed two bets on LSU was communicating with Bohannon at the time LSU won the game 8-6 Alabama's starting pitcher was scratched because of back tightness, and his replacement hadn't started since March 16th. To this point, there is nothing publicly known about Bohannon's possible involvement in this, so it's a story that can make us uneasy. But it's yet another mess at Alabama following the terrible behavior by several basketball players, including one who was charged with murder.
1: But you know, Tony, gambling and sports gambling its so out front. It's legal everywhere, just about everywhere it's in front of you all the time, including on this here network. It doesn't seem scandalous anymore when somebody's involved with gambling. For whatever, not to me. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah.
2: Big finish really quickly. The Stars beat the Kraken to even their series in a game Peace. your thoughts?
1: Pavelski scored again, but I, you know, I'm, the, the Kraken, man, it's this sort of Cinderella-ish. Lionel Messi apologized via Instagram to PSG and his teammates. For that trip to Saudi Arabia that got him suspended. Water under the bridge now? I don't think so. That was
2: really a selfish act. The Rays swept the Pirates. They're now 26-6. That's a big deal.
1: Fastest to 20 over since the 84 Tigers did it and they won the World Series. Red Sox have won six in a row. The Sox, you impressed? Very much so, and they've beaten Toronto. Division team last one. Celtic Sixers, Nuggets, Suns tonight. Who you got? Sixers celebrating toast. Joel and B sons saved their season, at least for the night. That's what I got, even without my man Chris Paul. We're out of time. Trying to do better the next time. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mike Wilbon. Have a great weekend, knuckleheads. Check out the NBA Countdown at 7 Eastern tonight ahead of Sixers Celtics. And now, here's SportsCenter. But well, we so won't no be no in it tonight, Center Tony. Segment.
2: No, so pull no, off no the second. Asteroid. We don't need the Asteroid.